Greetings, Meltopians. If you've become enthralled by the dark wastes and nightscapes of Meltopia, and want to further explore its Stygian depths, consider joining our Patreon. For $2 a month, you could become a Meltopian and gain access to the darkest artworks, as well as written mythos pieces contained in the Melgrim, entries in Meltopia's own dark encyclopedia, and the legendary Corpus Diabolos, an elite publication containing essays written by the most esteemed dark scholars. For $5 a month, become a feared mailsayer and gain early access to episodes on the Meltopia and Sleepwake Cycle podcasts, and listen to new episodes of our audio series, Tales of Meltopia, The Lost Library, and The Weird Book. And for $10 a month, join the ranks of the Melsapien, where you can listen to our Patreon-exclusive podcast, October's Children, as well as gain access to found recordings discovered throughout the world in The Weird Tapes. But if you're not ready to delve into the pitch just yet, and would rather swim the shallows to test the blackened waters, you can explore our public page which contains our entire backlog of Tales of Meltopia, The Lost Library, and The Weird Book, episodes from the Meltopia podcast, which all together number over a hundred episodes. So, whether you want to become a full denizen of the dark, or simply peruse the public archives, come visit us at patreon.com forward slash Meltopia. That's M-A-E-L- T-O-P-I-A. Now, without further ado, enjoy the show. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey listeners, we at Meltopia feel that we could all use a little more laughter in our lives. So we wanted to tell you about Stellar Firma the hilarious weekly science fiction comedy podcast by Rusty Quill. Now's your chance to find out what it's like to be a planetary designer employed by Stellar Firma Limited. Follow the misadventures of Trexel Geisman and his clone assistant David Seven through a world of robots, space stations, and more as they craft planets based on listener-submitted designs. With semi-improvised comedy akin to Hitchhiker's Guide and Red Dwarf, the award-winning Stellar Firma is now in its second season, so grab your towel and hop aboard. Search for Stellar Firma on your preferred podcast platform or visit RustyQuill.com for more information. 
Thanks again for tuning in, and our thanks to Rusty Quill for their support of the Maltopia podcast. The setting sun beamed through the uppermost windows of the Bibliotheca Adriatica, adding to an aesthetic that resembled more church than repository of knowledge. Despite the open air of its vast main hall, the many stories of balconies that lined its edges climbed to a shadowed, steepled peak, resting heavy upon all who entered. As Salence University's most hallowed library, it was rumored throughout Venice to house not just old secrets of the pre-darkness world, but answers to new, post-noctum mysteries as well. Standing before one of the many long tables in the main hall, Vorin lay a hard-bound book before him. Thick and heavy, he flipped through the empty pages, stopping at random. Bringing his hands together, he interlaced his fingers and cracked his knuckles sending the little snaps to echo into the surrounding silence. Every pore of his left hand was inked in black, the tattoo ending in a straight line across the middle of his forearm, as if he had dunked his hand in matte paint. Even his fingernails were black, giving a stark contrast to the pale, sun-starved skin that housed the rest of him. Vorin placed his left palm upon the verso of the book and closed his eyes. His tattoo began to move, swirling and writhing as if waking from sleep. Ink seeped from his splayed fingers onto the page, moving off in tendrils that explored their paper boundaries. Some of them flowed to the right, past the gutter and onto the recto, eddying and pooling where they would. After a few moments, the ink cascaded down the edges of the page like tiny waterfalls, seeking the beginning of the book as well as its end dribbling down before soaking into its many layers. The swirls and loops on the pages before him began to coalesce, forming lines of cursive in a script of sharp edges and soft curves. Before long, the dark writing went still, appearing dry and flat, as if it had been there for years. Vorin opened his eyes to find a man standing across the width of the table, signaling wildly with his hands. Relax, will you? Vorin soothed. We closed fifteen minutes ago. There's no one here. The small man was unimpressed. Hands on his hips, he shot an accusing glare from light blue eyes punctuated by deep crow's feet, 
as if he'd spent much of his life squinting in the sun. An odd mass covered his mouth, lining his jaw from one ear to the other. It stretched across his face much like a beard, but it didn't rest atop his face like cloth. A hardened material, it sunk into his flesh, and puckered skin lined its edges where it met his face. A thin scar about an inch long rose from underneath it, where his upper lip should have been. It ran to the right of his nose, pointing at his left temple. The mask was the dirty, non-color of an abandoned building, and Vorn was again reminded that he still didn't know what it was made of. The time for secrets has long passed, River. Come now, give. Is it some sort of a Thosian alloy, perhaps? River rolled his eyes and turned away, waving for Vorin to follow. Vorin closed the cover to his latest translation and tossed the heavy book into the haversack that hung from his shoulder. What's up? He moved around the length of the table, hurrying to catch up as River made a beeline down the main aisle of the hall. River shrugged, the fingers of one hand flashing a series of gestures. Kinsley. The Kinsley. What does he want? Riva shrugged again, his hand a blur of movement. Get the fuck out of here. Grimland. Riva shrugged a final time, approaching the information desk at the back of the hall. A round man with glasses greeted them. How can I help you, gentlemen? Riva handed the clerk a folded scrap of paper. Adjusting his glasses, the man's eyes went wide. Crumpling the note in a fist, he glanced over the pair's shoulders, searching the darkening expanse of the library. Satisfied, he whispered, Follow me. In a smooth waddle that reminded Vorin of an overweight cat, he unlocked a large door set into the stone wall behind the information desk and led them through a series of hallways, staircases, and other locked doors. Vorin had been through that first door only once before, early on in his career as a dark scholar. After a number of years working for Salence University, during which time he'd made a bit of a name for himself, he had been led to a nondescript meeting room somewhere above where they now tread. Along with a number of other agents of the university, Riva among them, they had received a new commission, one that carried responsibilities far more dire than any they had ever known. The clerk drew up before a rusted accordion gate that barred the way to an ancient freight elevator. Withdrawing yet another key from inside his sport coat, he unlocked the gate and sent it screeching to the left. He gestured towards the elevator with an outstretched arm, a smile at once polite and nervous trying to escape his lips. A long hallway lined with doors on either side rose into view as the elevator rattled to a halt. How deep do you think we've gone? Riva raised two fingers and a thumb. Three? Three what? Not three stories, surely. It's been ages. The elevator gate squealed as Riva raised it. He brought his hand back up, proffering the same figure, punctuating the numbers with a shake. What? Three miles? Riva nodded. You're mad. Riva ignored him taking the lead and striding down the hallway with purpose. Do you know where we're going? Vorin eyed the identical, windowless doors as they went. Riva didn't respond, instead grasping the knob of a seemingly random door on the left. He turned to Vorin, his eyes alert. How do you... forget it. Go on then, let's not keep him waiting. Riva knocked and opened the door, revealing a large corner office with floor-to-ceiling windows. 
Vorin furrowed his brow, looking up and down the long hallway with its many doors. The elevator sat some yards to his left, and to his right the corridor stretched on, its end lost to the bright glow of fluorescent light. A tall man shaped like a blade of grass stood behind a large mahogany desk, the corded handset of an office phone pressed to his ear. He waved them in, turning toward the windows as he mumbled into the receiver. They stepped inside. As Riva closed the door behind them, Vorin realized the nonsensical dimensions of the place were the least of it. The windows of the office looked out upon a cityscape shrouded in night. The skyscrapers were dark, but occasional pinpricks of light in the distance made it clear the metropolis went on for miles. He thought he saw a glimmer of moonlight on water, perhaps a river, but he couldn't be sure. It could have been any city in the world, though it certainly wasn't Venice. The man finished his call, turning toward them and hanging up the phone. His dark three-piece suit matched the quality of the office. He gestured to two leather chairs opposite his desk. Gentlemen, thank you for coming. Please have a seat. As they complied, the man mirrored them, settling into a high-backed chair. His desk was sparse. In addition to the standard office phone off to one side, a brass piano lamp sat to the other, and two manila folders rested between them. He picked one up and opened it, his scalp showing through his slicked-back gray hair as he studied its contents. Vorin Gall, the man said, letting the declaration hang as he flipped through the pages, perusing some longer than others. He closed the folder and set it aside, placing the second one before him. He repeated the process with Riva. Riva Kin. He held pages aloft with long fingers as he read from those beneath. So... You're the ones that secured the journals of Heinrich Elvikstein. Well done. He closed the second folder and placed it atop the first, bumping their edges with his fingertips to form a neat stack. As you may have guessed, I am Kinsley. It's a pleasure to meet you both. And you, sir. How may we be of service? Kinsley smiled. I'm glad you asked. By now, I'm sure you've heard certain rumors surrounding the new island continent of Grimland. A beachhead has been established by coalition forces led by the U.S. A number of researchers and other experts, both of the traditional variety and the clandestine, are exploring this new obscurum, and Salence University has been asked to provide candidates for research contracts to aid in the coalition's endeavors. Obviously, this sort of thing can't be delegated to the rank and file of the university itself. Kinsley raised a long finger to emphasize his next point. This commission has reached the attention of certain strega at the uppermost levels of our organization, and our employers require that our most careful attention be paid to it. There's no telling what's to be gained, and equally important, there's no telling what's to be kept from others. Kinsley stood, towering over the two men and moved to a nearby table holding a selection of liquor bottles. He chose one and poured two fingers each into three glasses. Likewise, the two of you have come to the attention of a certain number of our betters. Vorin glanced over at Riva, glad to see that his partner's eyes were as wide as his. Kinsley carried two glasses in one large hand, delivering them to the scholars. It is from rather high up that you sit before me now. He raised his own glass. To you, gentlemen. Well done. Thank you, sir. Vorin replied, glasses clinking all around. 
He thought Riva was even smiling, if he was capable of such a thing. His partner drank, and the amber liquid flowed through the man's mask and into his mouth, as easily as it would anyone else's. Riva's throat bobbed as he swallowed the drink in one go. Definitely an Athosian alloy. It had to be. Back in the seat, Kinsey cleared his throat, looking concerned for the first time. There is, however, a complication. He paused, eyeing both men. It's been confirmed that there's a Moffat on site. Fucking hell. Yes, fucking hell indeed. This assignment is going to require every ounce of finesse you can muster. Vorin, you'll of course be operating as a dark scholar specializing in philology under the auspices of Salence University. But in truth, the Strager require the height of your considerable talents as an ink dragon. You are to search out and acquire any written materials Grimland may be harboring, transcribing and translating as necessary. Should you find information of dire importance, you are to guard it with your lives and see it brought into Stragan possession with all haste. Riva, your public-facing capacity as a parapaleontologist for Salence University holds as well. But your duties as Vorin's minder take precedence. You are to keep him safe. If that requires the use of your abilities as a malsayer, so be it. But discretion above all. Let's not have a repeat of the Autumn City incident. Vorin glanced at Riva, who shuffled in his seat. No one, be they in the employ of Salence or an agent of the Strega, enjoyed reminders of that debacle. It had given Malsayers especially a bad name that refused to fade. Vorin was glad he and Riva had been on the other side of the world at the time. In addition to these directives, you are to investigate one Professor Cyrus Moffat. The Dark only knows what he's up to, but we can be certain it doesn't involve any regard for anyone other than the Lanterns. That said, it can't be denied that if there's anything of value on that island, Cyrus knows more about it than anyone else. Learn what you can from him, and for God's sake, just keep an eye on him. Standard report protocol would normally be in place, but the storms around the island have made such luxuries impossible, which makes extraction contingency equally impossible. Kinsley leaned back in his seat with a sigh. Gentlemen, your work over the years, for us as well as the university, shows that the Strega's faith in you is warranted. But sending a relatively inexperienced dragon and his minder into such a blind situation has many on edge. So again, above all else, err on the side of caution and discretion. You're going to be on your own. Good luck. Watch where you're going, asshole. Rushing around the corner of a nearby tent, a soldier had collided with Vorin, sending both men stumbling. The man struggled to keep control of a large wooden crate stuffed with various plants, the overwhelming greenery like nothing Vorin had ever seen. Riva steadied Vorin with a hand, turning on the man. He began humming, a quiet, lilting tune that buzzed like a hive of honeybees. The lines at the corners of his eyes deepened as he squinted in pain. 
The soldier stood transfixed. After a few moments, Vorin tapped Riva on the shoulder, and he stopped humming. The soldier shook his head, blinking his eyes. What the... He fell silent as he glanced down at his cargo. The broad, green leaves and spindly shoots that had overflowed their wooden confines were now a shriveled mass of brittle brown, dry as paper and flaking to dust. The soldier whipped his gaze up to the scholars, more in confusion than accusation. Vorin mimicked the soldier, his eyes like saucers. What did you do, man? I, uh, I don't know. The man shuffled away, searching his surroundings for answers. Vorin smiled. That was fun. But remember, discretion and all that. Riva shrugged, signing with a hand. Vorin chuckled. <laughs> well, that's true. Protecting me from wankers is one of your prime directives as well. Come on, let's get to this Cyrus fellow. He should be over that way. They traversed the encampment to its western edge, finding a giant tree atop a carpet of purple leaves. Near it sat a tent larger than most, faint shadows from inside playing on its walls. Yeah, that's definitely the place. Come on. As they made their way to the entrance, a voice called out from within. Ah, right on time. Do come in. Vorn gave a sigh, glancing at Riva. Fucking hell. They ducked inside. Welcome to you both, welcome. I, as you no doubt know, am Professor Cyrus Moffat. And whom do I have the pleasure of speaking with this fine afternoon? Vorengol? Riva Kin. Vorin greeted, pointing in turn. Salence University. The professor was all smiles. Ah, your hand marks you as an ink dragon. What a wonderful addition to our efforts here at Sunny Grimland. And of course, Malsayers need no introduction. Well met, Mr. Kin. I've no doubt you have questions for me, but I'm afraid they will have to wait. I've another visitor who will be arriving presently. A conspiratorial smile crept across his face as he lowered his voice. But I have an inkling that you'll want to be privy to this conversation. Things are moving quickly, and there's no time to waste. He rushed to a heavy canvas partition leading to the back of the tent. If you would be so kind as to make yourselves comfortable and quiet... The professor broke into a fit of laughter. Oh, listen to me. Instructing a malsayer to be quiet. How silly of me. His chuckles continued as he pulled the partition back and gestured them inside. We can return to our discussion once I've hosted our most vital guest... There you are. Vorin and Riva obliged, ducking through the opening to find surroundings much the same as the rest of the tent, save for the addition of an ornate bed and nightstand in one corner, and a dresser with a wash basin in the other, next to a large wardrobe. The partition dropped back into place as Cyrus moved off. Well, at least he's enjoying himself. Vorin whispered. Riva rolled his eyes. Ah, Dr. Morgan... They heard Cyrus call out. Come in, come in. Minutes later, as the pair watched the lights and shadows of the lantern show play against the ceiling and fade away, the professor flung the partition aside and locked his eyes on Riva. Stop him, he hissed. Vorn nodded to Riva. Gently, Cyrus cautioned as the mailsayer dashed through the partition and out of the tent.
The three of us here at Maltopia want to thank you once again for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to see how we visualize the world of Maltopia, you can view our artwork on Instagram and our YouTube channel. And for the latest news and updates, give us a follow on Twitter and Facebook. To read a growing selection of our dark fiction, be sure to check out Maltopia.com. And lastly, we love nothing more than hearing from you. So we encourage you to leave a review of our podcast and give us your thoughts in the comments. Thanks again for listening.